Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Everybody say all in. All of my students in the house, all of my high school students, maybe even middle school, how many of you have had a hard test at least once this year? Let me see a hand. At least one hard test this year, okay? Some of the high school students, I know my sons, Ethan and Levi, they had at least a couple of hard exams, you know, getting ready pre-Thanksgiving, and then the ever-dreaded, you know what's coming, finals, happening probably right before Christmas. It's coming, baby. Get ready, get ready. Are you ready? Not yet. You're not ready. But listen, I want you to channel the feeling, all the adults, maybe it's been a few years since the final your most recent final exams, I want you to channel that feeling and to do it. I want to ask some of the Go Church TAs. Go Church TAs, can we go ahead and distribute the Scantron for the pop quiz? You're like, <laughs> really? No, really, we're doing this right now. All right, I want you to take the Scantron for the Go Church pop quiz. Go ahead and put your name on it, put your section number, put the class on there. And the number two Go Church pin is right underneath your seat. So you can reach right underneath there and take the pen. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the Scantron. Use it. Use it to remember what's going to be happening today. On the back side, I want you to take notes. Take notes. Some of you are doodlers and drawers. Studies have shown that sometimes you pay attention better when you do doodle. So feel free. Doodle away. I want you to take this, and I want you to channel that feeling the last time you had a final exam. And as I'm doing that, my mind goes back to junior year. University of Oklahoma, I am setting in statistics class. It is taught by Dr. Lou. Maybe you've had this teacher, Dr. Lou Safer. Have you had this doctor? He always teaches statistics or organic chemistry. Is Dr. Lou Safer or maybe Dr. Satan? He always teaches the, I'm gonna go dad jokes all day, I don't even care, someone's Thanksgiving. Let me be me! I'm setting. In stats class, Dr. Holmes is teaching us big beard, kind of an intimidating guy, you know, big voice, and there's like 300 of us in this room. I had never taken statistics before, but I was the kind of student that I didn't skip class. I was set in the first two or three rows. I had to work hard because I wasn't as smart as everybody else. I had to work hard. So I'm there, and I'm going through the normal routine. And you know, if you're in college, like a couple of years, you have a routine, right? You kind of feel out, like, how much effort do I need to put in? What do I need to learn? What's going to be on the exam? You have your own little style, right? Well, my style was locked in. I mean, I wasn't, like, number one in my class, but I was doing okay. So I come up to the first exam, students. Coming up to the first major exam in stats. Show your work. I go in, sit down, they distribute the test. I look at the first question on said exam, and I start to read through this question, and I have this feeling. Maybe you've had this feeling before. You were like, I don't remember learning any of this. Am I in the right class? I'm like reading through this first question. I'm like, I don't, I don't know anything about this. So, right, if you run up against a question, you don't know what to do. What's your normal test-taking strategy? What do you do? Right. You just skip it, right? I'll skip it. I'll come back. Maybe one of the other questions will spark my memory, and I'll come back, and I'll figure it out. So I skip to the next one. I start to read the next one, and that's when I realized this is going to be bad. <laughs> Th this test, this is going to be 
the worst test I have ever taken in college. So I just started to write down any formula, any number, anything that looked, smelled like statistics, write it down. So I just write all this stuff down, and I'm one of the very first ones to turn it in. Now, maybe some of you here today, I'm sure there are many of you that you were an early test turner inner because you're smart. You're like, I'm done already. I'm out. Whoop, done. But you know it's either good or really bad if you turn it in really early, okay? Turn it in really early. I knew I did really, really bad, and I felt bad about it. I get the results back a couple of days later. Guess what I made? Go ahead, guess. Ten. Jeez. Twelve. I got a twelve, okay? I got a twelve, and this is out of a hundred. I'm like, this is bad. I mean, this is a required class. I am in the hole. This is no good. I'm worried, so I go see Professor Holmes in his office. I go into his office, and it's all, like, intimidating. He's got this huge wood desk. I'm sitting on the other side of this desk. He's sitting in, like, this Game of Thrones throne. Big beard. And I'm like, Dr. Holmes, I, I need help. I did not do well on the first exam. He's like, that's okay. Appreciate you coming to see me. What was your score? I'm like, well, I, I didn't do as well as I had hoped. He's like, it's okay. You can tell me. I'm like, I got a 12. He's like, 12? I got a 12. And he proceeded to lean back in Game of Thrones chair, and underneath the beard, I could tell he was laughing. But he's trying not to laugh. He had, like, hand over his mouth, kind of like, you know, <laughs> trying to hold it in, but it didn't help at all. And I said, look, I want to do well in your class. I want to make an A. And he's like, I'll stop you right there. He's like, I know for a fact that you don't realize this, but there is no statistical way you can make an A. <laughs> Little stats joke. That really happened. He really said that. But he was like, I'll make a deal with you because I think he thought there's no way this would ever happen. He's like, I'll make a deal. If you make an A on every single test, including the comprehensive final from Hades. He didn't say that, but that's what I thought. I'll give you an A. He's like, deal? He sticks his hand out. I'm like, deal. Bam. So I'll make a deal with the devil. So man, I go back and it's like, it is on, right? So I'm going to the TA. I'm going in after hours. I'm figuring all this stuff out. Any practice exams I could find, I'm going to do it. Next test rolls around. Guess what I got? Just say A, okay? Okay, Paul Anthony right over here, just say A. Got an A. Next test rolls around. What did I get? A. a. Comprehensive final rolls around. Do the best I can. He had a few little tricks in there, and I turn it all in, get the grade back for the class. Guess what I made? An 88.3. No, I'm kidding. I didn't make an A. I did. I did. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Show me some love. I want you to think about the time where you failed an exam. Have you ever failed an exam? I mean, bombed it. Or you thought you were prepared and come to find out you were not prepared, okay? We are in this series all in. We've been thinking a lot about what's happening now, right here, right now, in our lives. Today, I want us to think into the future, okay? I want us to think on down the road. And if you think finals are over... They're not. There is one big time, all-important, spiritual, eternal final that we are all going to take. But here's the good 
the good news for us today is that I'm going to give you some of the questions in advance that will be on the final. I want you to ace this final. So it brings us to the one big thing. I want you to write this down. On the back of your Scantron, flip it over, write this right across the top. Let's go all in for the future. We're thinking down the road today. So when I say this again, when we get to the part all in, I want you to say it like you're all in, okay? Let's go for the future. Let's try it again. Let's go all in for the future. Here is the first question that will be on this test. What did you do with my son, Jesus? Write this down. It's going to be on the test. What did you do with my son, Jesus? God the Father is going to ask us this question. What did we do? What did I do? What have we done? What are you doing with God's son, Jesus? Look what Jesus has to say in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, and I want to preface this by saying I think this is one of the scariest verses for people who think they're spiritual or who try to look spiritual or godly or maybe people that have good religious attendance at religious things but might not really have it going on in their heart. This, this scripture is actually a little bit scary just to straight up Christians and followers of Jesus because it makes you kind of take a step back and go, oh, I hope this is not me. Check it out. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Just kind of the scary part. Many will say to me on that day, this is like exam day, final day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Isn't this wild to think about? These are people, Jesus is painting this picture, and this picture is revealing that perhaps it's a possibility where somebody could do great things in the name of Jesus, but not have a real relationship with the Father, not have a real relationship with Christ, that somebody could do good works, prophesy. That's a good thing. Cast demons out of people. Help people be free of demonic bondage, darkness. That's a good thing. Perform many miracles. That's a good thing. I mean, it's almost like, look, on my resume, God, right here, look, Prophecy, if you didn't see that one, go right below. Cast demons out of people. Oh, and just like very subsequent miracle. Miracle, 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 miracle. Here you go, God. Here's my resume. My good. God can get this thing and be like, good, good, good thing. I don't, what's your name again? Think about how that would feel. You think you're prepared. You get in the exam and you realize I do not know what's going on. I thought I was ready for this, but I'm not. And there's no do-over. There's no TA to go see. There's no redo. You're in it. You're in this moment. Could it be that you've been preparing for a final, but you've been preparing using the wrong questions? Maybe you've made your own questions, like, I just want to show that I'm a good person. Am I a good person? That I have enough net worth? Was my career good enough? 
Did I let somebody in traffic? Did I pay all my bills on time? Was I at all, I was at all my kids' games? I mean, look, I donated clothes. I donated money. Was I not at every Sunday morning thing, God? Sitting in the seat, doing the things, going through all of the rules, going through all of the rituals? You know, the group of people that I think about that could have sounded like that are all of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that Jesus got terribly upset with in the New Testament. Didn't we follow every single law? And Jesus is like, I don't know you. You look great on the outside, but on the inside, you missed it. What are we doing with Jesus Christ? God's one and only son. The Bible says that God so loved you, loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. So what does that make Jesus? It's like the greatest gift ever given, right? Ever. What can we do to earn that gift? Nothing. What can we do to deserve that gift? Nothing. You see, just like Jesus is saying, people cast out demons and they prophesied and they did many miracles in the name of Jesus, implies that it's not the greatness of the person that the miracles were done. It was the greatness of the name by which the miracles were done. It's not about how good we are. It's not about our ability to earn it because we can't. It is all about how great God is. When we were at our worst, God was at our best. When we were messed up, he was sending his son. When we were blowing it, he was making a way for us to be saved, to be known, to be forgiven, to have hope, to have future, to have purpose. We serve an amazing God. Do you believe that, Go Church? It's based on God's goodness, not our own goodness. So what are we doing with the greatest gift ever given? Question number one, what did you do with my son Jesus? Question number two, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? Write this down. Write the question down. Remember, there's practice. What did you do with what I gave you? How many of you are old enough in this place, maybe I should say experienced enough in this place, to know that life is short? Time feels short. Can I see a hand? My hand's up. I think it happens somewhere when you maybe cross like out of the 20s into the 30s and you start to get this feeling of like, oh, it just seems like it goes faster, 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 faster. So Becky and I, Thursday morning, we get up and we're going to walk our daughter Sydney to the school bus. If you're here in Denver, last Thursday, it was cold. It was one of the first days, like in the morning, you walk outside and you're like, I want to be skiing right now. Like it feels cold, feels like winter could be coming, could be coming. We go out and the breath is just, and you see it, right? The hot breath on a cold morning, that vapor that comes out, just comes out, it just comes and then it goes, right? It's there and then it vanishes. They're gone, they're gone. It's quick, it's fast. The Bible uses some language like that to talk about the speed or the length of our life. Look at this, James chapter 4. You do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor. Think about hot breath, cold morning. That appears for a little time and then 
vanishes away. It's here, and then it's gone. Like when you're 13, 14, 15, right? To think about being 30, you're like, that's ancient. 30. And then you get 30, right? And then you're like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Time starts to go by faster and faster and faster and faster. And maybe you're here and you're like smart and you're tracking with this message and you're sitting in your seat and you get your scantron and you made a little bullet point and you're like, Pastor Nick is contradicting himself. He's wrong. We just talked about how we can't earn anything, right? You just talked about how we can't be good enough. We can't earn it. There's not enough good things that we can do to deserve it. And now you're saying it's based on what we do. It doesn't make any sense. I want you to track with this. We can never earn Jesus. We can never earn the gift. All we can do is accept what he has done in faith. But there is responsibility in this life to do as followers of Jesus what he asks and commands us to do. Knowing Jesus isn't about praying some prayer, and that's it. That is the beginning of a life being lived in complete submission to the Father. I want you to look at this verse. This is 2 Corinthians 5.10. This is a preview of what's going to happen for our final exam. But we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We must all appear. This idea of being laid bare or exposed, like nothing to hide. We're going to appear. And we're going to show, good or bad, we're going to have this exam. And it's going to be a show your work exam. Now, this test, this question isn't about, are you going to spend eternity with God? It's about reward in accordance to how or in proportion to how you have been obedient to the things God has asked you to do. Look at Matthew. Jesus says this, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. So as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we do have an absolute responsibility to be the men and the women that God has called us to be. Salvation is not about just praying a prayer and then remembering, oh, I prayed a prayer one time like 20 years ago. I mean, since then I do whatever I want. I don't ever think about it. God is not a thought in my brain. I am my own God. That's not how it works. We give our life to Christ, we submit our life to Christ every day. Our life is not our own. It's already been purchased with a price that we can never pay. So we live our life in that way. So as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, yes, reward will be released in accordance to our obedience to him. It's not a gift that we can earn. It's a gift that we can receive, and because we've received it, we serve God and we obey God because we love Him, not so that we can love Him. The exam. I want you to be ready for this thing. It's coming. Whether you're ready or I'm ready or not, whether your kids are ready, it's coming. We don't know when it's going to come. Tomorrow was not promised. If you're old enough to sense that time goes by fast, you're old enough to realize that that's true. You just don't know. You can't predict it, what's going to happen tomorrow. It's not even worth worrying about, Jesus says. We have enough worry for today. This is powerful truth. What should we do about this? I want to give you one thing to do. I want to give you one big action. I want you to write this down. Write this down. One big action. I will refuse 
to take gifts for granted. So tempting in this life to take the blessing of God, the reality of God, the gift of God for granted. And this is a mentality today. It's an action. I will refuse to take gifts for granted. I want you to think about the things that God has given you that perhaps you haven't thought about in a while. Like, when was the last time that you really thanked God that you had a body that was healthy enough to come to a worship experience like this? You're here. You made it. When was the last time that you thanked God for putting the intellectual capacity in your hard noggin to be able to learn, earn a wage, excel, create, write, add something to this world? When was the last time that you thanked God for the talent that he has baked into you? When was the last time that you specifically said, God, thank you for just loving me? Like the awareness of like, I know me. I shouldn't be loved this much. Thank you for loving me. Not just on my best day, but especially on my worst day. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for having patience for me. Thank you for redeeming me. When was the last time that you really specifically said, God, thank you for my family? Even that one crazy one that I've got to see in Thanksgiving in like three or four days. God, even thank you for that one. Do you have at least one? Can I see a hand again? At least one crazy family member, please. Yes, we all have at least one. Think about the things that are so easy to take for granted. The house you live in, the clothes that you wear. If you have a car to drive or two if you have employment, if you have a career, if you've been blessed with the opportunity for education, if you've been blessed with finances so much that God can use that to bless and excel his kingdom through giving and into other lives, how do you know? How do you know if you've been taking things for granted? Like, it's challenging to think about, right? It's like, oh, I don't want to be that way. You know, am I that way? I don't want to be that way. I'm wondering about it. I was wondering about it. I'm at my desk. I'm working on this. I'm kind of thinking, how, how can I know? And then I begin to ask myself this question. When was the last time I specifically thanked God for things like my children? Like, when was the last time I went through and thanked God specifically for my sweet Sydney, for Ethan, for Levi, going through the things that God has put in their heart? When was the last time that I was just kind of overwhelmed with thanks. When was the last time that I specifically, I mean audible words out of my mouth, connected to my heart, not just maybe a quick random thought that you hope you think every once in a while. When was the last time that I said, God, I want to thank you for my wife, Becky, my best friend. Just thank you for bringing her into my life. God, when was the last time? When was the last time that I'd done it? When was the last time that I truly thanked God for you, specifically, going through, calling out names? When was the last time that you specifically thanked God for your career, for your kids, for your spouse, for your opportunity, for having a healthy body to be able to go out and work and to produce the opportunities that God has brought your way? Maybe somewhere along the way, you made the mistake of thinking, well, all of this has just happened because of my tremendous dedication and hard work the talent that I've cultivated in my life, where do you think that came from? Did you put that in yourself? Did you put all the X, Y's together and make it all happen? 
You're created. Thanksgiving and praise. So that's a question to think about today. When was the last time that you specifically gave God thanks for certain things in your life? And then take it a step further. When was the last time that you specifically told somebody in your life that you appreciate them? Like a family member or a friend. That you gave thanks to them. That you took a minute to recognize you being in my life is a blessing. And I never want to take that for granted. So think about some of the best friends you have. Think about some of the family members that you have. It could be even a co-worker relationship or a business partner that's really gone through some stuff with you. When was the last time that you showed specific appreciation to someone? Let me tell you, it makes a difference. I got a text message this week from a friend. It hit my phone Friday, 7.29 a.m. And he writes, man, you were on my mind this morning as I was praying. I'm so thankful for my connection with you. Our friendship means a lot to me. And let me tell you, that ministered to my heart. Like, I just got that out of the blue, you know? It's like, man. So I just, you know, wrote him back. Like, when somebody writes you something nice and you kind of feel guilty, it's like, man, I should have been the one who wrote that first. <laughs> it's like, now i got to write back like a really good one, right? So I write back. It wasn't too long. I'm like, thank you so much for your kind words and prayers. It means more than you know. Love you. I said this to a guy, like a friend. Love you. When was the last time you did something like that? Like out of the blue. Not an anniversary, <laughs> birthday, good grade, came home. You know, the kid did something that was actually really amazing. And when was the last time you did it when it was just normal, just a normal day, and they were on your mind? When was the last time that you received something like that? So I want you to think about those two questions. When was the last time that you gave specific thanks to God? When was the last time that you showed specific appreciation to somebody important to you in your life? You could be really encouraged by this question or really challenged. I, I was both, I think. I want you to think about this today. Praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving. This last week, I was really thankful for our Go Youth team. My wife, Becky, she leads our Go Youth team, and it has some amazing team members, some young professionals, some parents. And this week, they decided to do a Thanksgiving farm table, kind of harvest table style Thanksgiving event for some of our youth and for family members. And so check this out. You know, we had tables all the way across this room there was not enough space, so we had to come back the other way. I mean, the pumpkin pie was flowing. Okay, stuffing was everywhere. Mashed potatoes gone. Gravy everywhere. And it was just so cool to see everybody coming together, right? Sharing this moment. And so when Becky came home, she started receiving text messages from parents who were there, adults who were there. Such a great event. It was so cool getting to meet other people. And so people being thankful for other people. People being appreciative to be able to spend time with other people in God's body. When was the last time that you were really appreciative of the people in Go Church? Really thankful for your church. 
I even got feedback from my sons, Ethan and Levi. I was like, how'd it go? And they were like, man, it was so cool. Like, had friends come and then to meet parents that we don't normally get to see or meet. It just felt like family. And that was meaningful for me. So I was proud of our Go Youth team. I mean, I was really proud. I mean, Becky came home pumped, which made me pumped. She's like, it was awesome. Like, yes, high five, energy. It's amazing. And that's what happens is when you start to get real about Thanksgiving and being a thankful person, thanking God, it turns your attitude around a little bit. You can't go very far down the road of Thanksgiving until you start making some noise and getting a little excited and getting your praise on a little bit with God. I want to show you a couple of scriptures, and I want you to connect the idea of praise and Thanksgiving, like praise coming out of your mouth, connected to your heart, connected to Thanksgiving. Psalm says this, I will praise the name of God with a song. We're going to have a chance to do that later today. I will magnify him with Thanksgiving. Like, I will make him bigger in my life when I am thankful for what he's done in my life. It's not all about me. It's about him. And then look at Luke. This is Jesus, and this is a moment where he had just healed 10 guys with leprosy. Back then, leprosy was like a death sentence. New life. Look what's recorded. Then one of the 10 lepers, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. Connect, praise and thanks. Praising God with a loud voice. Sometimes it's good to be loud. I'm just going to say, it's okay. Praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. When was the last time that maybe you were in your house? Maybe it's just you. You get some coffee going. You get some music going. Nobody else is around. You start to walk around and pray. When was the last time you're like, God, thank you. Thank you that I can walk around. Thank you that I can breathe. Thank you that I have a family. Thank you that I have opportunity. Thank you for your, and it just starts to grow in you, and you find yourself just full of faith. It turns into action. I don't think there's any such thing as just silent thanksgiving. If you're really thankful for someone, you need to show it. Husbands. If the last time that you told your wife, like, well, I told you I loved you in our wedding day, and if it changes, I'll let you know. Uh-uh. <laughs> when was the last time? Out of the blue. Baby, I just want you to know I am head over heels in love with you. More now than back on the wedding day. Think about this. What are we taking for granted? Community, go church, friends family. Think about these questions. What did you do with my son Jesus? What did you do with what I gave you? We're all going to have this exam. Let's go all in for the future. Think legacy. Think on down the road. Be prepared. The best way to be prepared, don't do a spiritual all-nighter. Every day, walking with the Lord. Every day, practicing every day pushing into God's presence. And I'm telling you, you don't need to worry about the final. There's going to be a time of partying and celebration, an amazing time. So that's how I want you to feel. All of this, the idea of gift, grace, thankfulness, is really rooted in our identity with our Father. God made a decision to love us, whether we loved Him or not. 
Whether you acknowledge that God even exists or not, he loves you the same. Isn't that crazy to think about? Like we typically just love people that will love us back or we love people that are nice to us. doesn't matter what you believe about God. He loves you just as much as he loves you. Just as much as he loves me, he loves you. It's because of his love for you and identity, whether you recognize it or not, as your father, that he makes these gifts and this provision and security for you. It's because of who he is, who you are in his eyes. I've got three kids, Sydney, our beautiful 18-year-old daughter. I have twin boys, Ethan and Levi. They're 15. They haven't always been 15. They started off pretty small, started off pretty young, okay? This is a picture of the boys taking a nap just a few years ago. A few years ago, right, Ethan and Levi? So Levi came into my office when I was preparing this message, and he looked at this picture, and he was like, were we asleep? I'm like, well, son, I didn't pose you. Like, you wouldn't have stayed still anyway. Yes, you were asleep. I mean, the twins, they were like, they would do everything the same. You know, they would dress the same, sleep the same, do everything the same. So when they were small, I would go into their room before they would go to sleep, and I would do all the dad stuff, you know, like mess with them, throw them around, wrestle them. It's like, maybe you want to wear your kid out, right, before bedtime, all right? Put a little extra cereal in that bottle, wear them out, and sleep all the way through the night in the name of Jesus, Go in there, and I would wrestle them and have fun. But I would say something to them every night. I would sit on the side of the bed, like with Ethan, and I would say, Ethan, I'm your father. You're my son, and I love you. Then I would go over to Levi. I said, Levi, I'm your father. You're my son, and I love you. And I trained the boys to say, in response to that, I'm your son. You're my father, and I love you. We would say it every night for like years. Sometimes it was like super fast, like a game. Sometimes it was like more meaningful. Time goes by, time goes by. As they got older, we would say it less. Why? Because the boys are staying up to like 2 a.m. On, <laughs> on the weekends playing Xbox to like 3. So we said it less. Three or four years ago, we go to the YMCA retreat center, and we're having fun, playing in the snow, doing games, doing crafts. One of the things that you could do is make things out of leather, and so the boys and I are like, let's go make something out of leather. Let's make like a manly leather good. So you know what we made? Bracelets. <laughs> You're expecting like a knife sheath, like a sheath for my machete, case for my gun. No, we're going to make bracelets. So we go and we're like, what should we make? Like, what should we do? And so we came up with the idea. I think it was the boys. They were like, oh, we should like, you know, I'm your father. You're my son. and I love you. I'm like, that's a lot of letters to put on a bracelet. Let's do the acronym of it. Okay, so this is what the boys kind of made for me. I'm your son, you're my father, and I love you. And this is the bracelet here. Now, I wear this every once in a while. And probably today is the first time that any of you knew anything about that. It's just like Nick is trying to be stylish and wear like a weird leather bracelet. He's one of those guys, okay? The necklace is next. I mean, what are we doing? But I wear this sometimes, and it's a communication to my boys. I'm thinking about you today. When you see this, I'm thinking about you. You're on my mind today when I speak. I'm your father, you're my son, and I love you. And I think about the day when they're going to sit next to their son, their daughter. I'm your father, you're my daughter, and I love you. And maybe it goes on and on and on. So we do this. I've kept it. I, I wear it. 
And I think down the road. I think about the next generation. And it's a statement of identity. You see, it's not, I'm your father, you're my son, I love you, if you make really good grades. If you have a successful career. If you obey me. Mm -mm. There's nothing that they could do that could make me love them any more or any less. And your spiritual father feels the same way about you. A long time ago, he wrote in the Bible a scripture like John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life. God has written this to you already. I'm your father. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. Today, as we're approaching Thanksgiving, can we reignite some thanks and some gratitude? Can we take some time to specifically say, God, thank you for this? Maybe today is a day when you need to make a call. You've been thinking about a person. Maybe today's that day where you make that call and you say, you know what, I just want you to know you mean so much to me. It's been a little while, but I, I am blessed to have you in my life. Maybe it's going to happen with a spouse. Maybe one of your children this week, you pull them aside and you say, you know what, I want you to know I love you. Not because of anything you do, but because you're my son, you're my daughter, and I love you. Come on, let's pray. Lord, we come to you today, your children. And I pray, God, that we would have a fresh gratitude, a fresh level of thanksgiving in our life, that when we see these things that are really gifts and blessings in our life, that it would automatically lead to a moment of thanksgiving and praise, pointing and bouncing the credit to you. It's not about how good we are. It's about how great you are. And God, you are great. And today we declare that. As we're coming up to Thanksgiving, we declare it, God, help us to be prepared for the ultimate final exam. Help us, God, to already be answering that question, what are you doing with my son Jesus? What are you doing with what I have given you? God, help us to make a decision today that we will never take gifts for granted. Friends, I want you to hear me. Do you know Jesus? Don't be like that person where it's like, man, I did things for him, but I never knew him. Do you know him? Here's what the Bible says. Jesus came and he gave his perfect life for our messed up, sin-riddled, sin-stained lives. He paid the price that we can never pay. He paid the bill that we owed. He paid it on the cross. He gave his life. His blood flowed. They peeled his dead body off of that tree, and they put him into a tomb. But that's not where the story ended. One day in the tomb, two days in the tomb, but on the third day, God miraculously raised Jesus Christ back to life. And he is alive, and he has a plan for your life. And that plan is for you to know him. Do you know him? Not things about him. Do you know him? So that when that final exam comes, what you hear is well done, my good 
and my faithful servant. Enter in. Enter into my goodness. Enter into my kingdom. Enter into my eternity. That's what we want to hear. How can you do it? The Bible says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if we will believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, we will, will be saved. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer right here and right now and to start knowing Him. If you want to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life, pray this with me right now out loud. Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I'm making you the Lord and the leader of my life, and I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.